Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Spech. Hello. Uh, nothing new this week, Derek? No, nothing new. Stop interrogating me. <laughs> You're so judgy. <laughs> What's new with you? Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Um, I am going to read something that I found on one of our favorite sites, gearjunkie.com. Okay. I found this on there. I've got to read it. I'm going to put out a little public service announcement to begin with. If you have any liquids in your hand and are drinking, you might want to put them down. <laughs> <laughs> this this may go into the TMI, too much information um, area. <laughs> I was just cruising along. Like I say, uh, gearjunkie.com is one of the places. When we do all our research. We hit a lot of places. And it, we always uh, go to Gear Junkie to... See if they're talking about things and whatnot. And I came across an article. I've got to read it. May all your dreams of cooking fettuccine in your underwear come true at long last. (laughs) (laughs) Can you see where this is going? (laughs) It's going downhill. Right at the beginning of the show, we're going straight downhill. (laughs) There is no uphill. We're going straight downhill. Have you ever stopped during a strenuous workout, placed your hand across the front of your pants and thought, wow, I really need to harness the heat from my own undercarriage? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Glenn Van Pesky, the founder of Gossamer Gear Hiking Equipment, has invented something called the the crotch pot. pot. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. The crotch pot allows the wearer to use the steam from their own junk to cook a seemingly edible meal. (laughs) The crotch pot. (laughs) Told you, dude. It's a body heat stove. So it's a high performance, ultra lightweight fabric that presumably won't chafe any delicate areas while you're preparing fettuccine al testicolo. Straight downhill, buddy. Straight <laughs> downhill from the get-go. There is no stop. There is no collect $200. Yeah. The crotch pot is designed to hold a one-quart Ziploc bag so your dinner contents are completely sanitary. That's good. On the That's... bright side, if you find a hair in it, you know whose it is. <laughs> <laughs> the target market for the crotch pot is apparently... The backpacker or hiker who is so committed to carrying nothing that he or she is willing to let their own meals marinate in their pants. <laughs> you don't have to bring a pot. <laughs> don't. They bring a crotch pot. Infrared images of the human body confirm that it is basically common knowledge. One of the hottest parts of the human body is the crotch area. Your body naturally generates significant heat while hiking. Why not harness this heat for a warm dinner? <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about this. <laughs> if you're going to make tea or something, it would be very tepid tea. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> to use the crotch pot, you fill it with your desired ingredients, add water, then wedge the pouch right into your nether areas, directly against your skin. After hiking for a couple of hours, your dinner will either be ready to eat or you will have spent enough time ruminating about what you're doing that you'll throw the entire lukewarm mess into the nearest bear-proof trash receptacle and eat a Snickers bar instead. (laughs) Yes, the crotch pot. (laughs) It's a unique idea. You know, it's funny because when my wife says, you know, I'm going to make something in the crock pot so it cooks all day, I was oh, you're going for the crotch pot. (laughs) Apparently. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. Who knew? (laughs) Now... You can knead the meal discreetly while walking to make sure things are mixing well. I'm no outdoorsman, but if I see someone walking through the woods kneading his own genitals, my first thought won't be, I bet he's cooking oatmeal in there. (laughs) (laughs) Some female hikers have also taken to using it in their sports bra. Gossamer promises that a crotch pot recipe club is coming soon and has encouraged people to post photographs of their crotch pots on Instagram. Uh, (laughs) The world surely waits with bated breath as these detailed photos of basmati rice slowly simmering in someone's boxer briefs. (laughs) Happy hiking. (laughs) And that, my friend, 
is what's new. <laughs> you always get mad when I ask you, hey, what's new? Well, let me tell you what's new. We're all buying crotch pots and That's, going on a giant hike. It's a unique idea, though. Well, they sell those to the military. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because when they go on their, like, 10-kilometer marches, and then they got to make... <laughs> But they got their meal as they go. If your buddy on patrol with you sacks you, it bursts open. Oh, and you've got, yeah. you, you, like you get Chicky con carne. Yeah, or potatoes and gravy running down your leg. Yeah. Right? Uh, <laughs> I've been hit. <laughs> Lasagna everywhere. <laughs> Fettuccine al testicolo. <laughs> Grandma would be so proud. <laughs> Yeah, I just happen to be looking at it. I'm like, okay, you know what? I can't pass that one up. No, that's, you can't. That's, that's gold. That, that's, that's, that's gold. You have to share something. So if you go to Instagram and you check out the crotch pot, there should be pictures of people be, crotch potting it. Be careful of your Googling words that you yeah, use. Yeah. <laughs> you might not want to try this at work. <laughs> what are you doing? Hey, I'm looking up a crotch pot. Hey, you're fired. <laughs> TMI, buddy, TMI. Yeah. But uh, <clears throat> sorry, I, I I saw that. I I had to print that off and, and read it. I mean, that was absolutely hilarious. Because you, you're thinking. I mean, you joke and you make jokes about all that stuff. But then somebody's actually gone and said, "Why make it a joke? Why not see if we can do something with it?" And sure enough, people are doing something with it. We should buy a couple and give them away as prizes. <laughs> <laughs> First prize, crotch pot. Who wants it? Hey, look, no hands. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to throw it at the audience and they're going to throw <laughs> <This> it back. <laughs> oh, Maybe man. Maybe the fine people at Crotchpot will hear this and uh, and send a couple our way. <laughs> you got any backpacking trips uh, planned? <laughs> <laughs> it would work in the canoe, too. Well, no, not really, because you're not really walking. A portage. Yeah, there you go. But it'd have to be a, you a need long a, You portage. need an activity that makes you sweat. Yeah. yeah. Like, Well, that's what they say is for hiking and backpacking, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, oh, you can go to the gym. If you stop at the gym on the... Because I always stop at the gym on the way home from work, right? You can stop halfway through your workout for a snack. <laughs> Have a snack. Guy's reaching his pants, pulling out a snack. <laughs> Ooh, that was quite to work out on the treadmill. I'm going to have me some lasagna. <laughs> Pull out a bag of spaghetti from your pants. <laughs> Oh, that'd be that'd be awesome. Cause everybody be like, they they wouldn't know what to do. Yeah. Oh, I bet you everybody would. You'd you'd have all the machines around. You're free pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Next thing you know, you got 15 people in there with crotch pots <laughs> trying to eat. <clears throat> anyway, I digress. Yes. Yeah. Hey, there's nowhere else to go but up now, right? Yes. <laughs> we start at the bottom. Let's work our way up. There must be a segue into something here. <laughs> No, we'll just go straight in. Oh, talking about food. Because <laughs> you know we were. This next segment is going to be beginning with another public service announcement. Yes. A more serious one this time. Note, this segment is for the discussion purposes only. This is not an endorsement to go out and eat every berry, mushroom, or plant you lay your eyes on. Instruction and research are needed before attempting to eat any wild edibles. Like they say on the movies, do not try this at home. This segment is about wild edibles while you're paddling. Perfect. You like that segue? That was a perfect segue. I bet you you could cook some of these berries and mushrooms and stuff in your crotch pot. You could. You could. You could. Or you could rehydrate food in your crotch pot. Yeah. Huh? Mm. No. <laughs> Worm beer in crotch pot. But you know, this this brings up an interesting topic. This this new segment here. It's uh, I've always wondered about that and, and I've been always too nervous about unless I know for sure like blackberries, raspberries, strawberries, blueberries, I would have no issue there. But yeah, I, berries I never, are I never try anything else because I've never spent the time to educate myself so that I could eat the the riparian vegetables uh, yeah. safely. Yeah, I mean, they're your blueberries, your strawberries, raspberries, blackberries, gooseberries. If you're lucky enough to come across cranberries, because I love cranberries. Um, though, yeah, I mean, blueberries especially. You make your pancakes with some yeah, blueberries, yeah. right? That sort of deal. Or or you're walking along one of the an old lumber uh, logging road mm-hmm. that's grown over and yeah. it's all raspberries 
mm-hmm. right? So you eat that on a portage or something like that, or, you know, when you're taking a little hike sort of thing. Um, but there are so many types of berries out there and there's so much information and books on berries, mushrooms and plants and stuff like that. But the berries are the only thing I've really ever considered. Considered. Yeah. Now I've made like pine tea before and stuff like that. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there are so many things out there in the wild that you can just pick and eat or boil or dry. Yeah. And and that that's the big thing that we'll, we'll get into some of this stuff um, that you can actually dry stuff. But if you know what's available out there, you can find a ton of munchies. And the reason I, I sort of thought about this is, uh, as everybody that f- knows um, or should know by now, Alone, season four, mm-hmm. your buddies Jim Baird and his brother Ted won the whole shooting match yes. there, which congrats to those guys uh, for winning it. 75 days out there. Yeah. But the biggest thing, the issue they had was the food. And, exactly. and all the groups did was yep. the food. I mean, they all relied on the hoping to catch some fish to add to their diets and stuff yeah. like that. And there really wasn't. And I mean, Jim and Ted are, are, are not your little short people. No, they're big guys. They need a lot of energy to keep going. And, and they knew that going in. Yeah. That, that yeah. They needed a lot of calories to... To maintain weight or to survive and to keep well, going. Well, even the, the first show that introduced all the uh, the contestants, had, the one guy had said, their biggest obstacle is their size, their height. Yeah. Yeah. They are going to need more calories than the rest of the teams. And so that got me thinking about, you know, well, look at all the stuff that was around there. How much of that could they have eaten to get some of the stuff? You know, like some of their proteins and, and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, not knowing the area inside and out myself, for all I know, there was nothing there. Yeah. Right? But it got me thinking about that. And as I say, there's books and videos that can show you what to eat. And But my advice, and as I said at the top of this segment, was my advice was to take a course and learn. And they, they have them. There's there's courses out there that teach you, you know, this is safe to eat. And this is what you want to look for and, and, and whatnot. You know, rather than just going, yeah, well, that looks like that mushroom in this book. Let me pick it and eat it, right? Because there's certain things that they're going to say. Exactly. Certain times yeah. of year that you can eat them, certain times you can't. So whether you're on a day day paddle or a backcountry trip, I was thinking, you know what? Maybe start to learn some of these things and you can try different things while you're out there, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I thought, let's start with some plants first. I mean, there's tons of them, but some of the ones that we see all the time, right? Cattails. And they, I, I would never have thought that you could eat them. I think the only thing we ever did with cattails when we picked them was use them for decoration or beat the crap out of each other with them. I used to burn them as a kid. We used what to did make you? Torches, dip oh, them we used to and... beat the living hell out of each other <laughs> oh, yeah? with them. Yeah, we used to have fight, cattail fights. <laughs> you just hammer each other till they explode and fluff yeah. everywhere. Yeah, yeah. They hurt, but hey, I mean, we're kids. What else do you do? Right? Yeah. Uh, the cattail, the white core of it, the the stalk can be boiled, baked or dried and ground into flour or boiled into syrup. So the whole stock or the inner core of the stock? The inner core of the stock. So you'd have to the, peel, the peel the white off core. the outer. Yeah. Oh yeah, you got to peel the outside out yeah. to get the, what's in the inside. Hmm. Um, but as I was going through all the, the plant sections that I was coming across here, a lot, there's a amount of how many things that they say grind, grind down into like a flour. Yeah, I know. And, 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 and a lot of it's seeds. In researching this, I was surprised at how many things they did grind down in a flower. Mm-hmm. So it'd be interesting to see how much plant material it take to like hook up a loaf of bread. Well, that's, I mean, they're, <laughs> they're saying here with the cattail, right? Yeah. You can grind it into flour. Like, can you make like a cattail loaf of bread? You take a lot, eh? Like, I wonder how many cattails it would take to, and I wonder what it would taste like. Cattails? Swamp? See, I don't know what cattails taste like. <laughs> Who knows? I, I, I don't know. Let's go start collecting them. And yeah. after I beat the crap out of you with them. <laughs> the roots can be peeled and crushed underwater. The fibers strained out and the starch washed in several changes of the water. Yeah. The fluff from the brown cylinder, which is the beating part, yeah. can be burned to separate the parch and seeds, which are edible. So the seeds, you can eat the seeds. You can eat a lot of seeds. So but I guess that's like sunflower seeds and, and whatnot. As too, I recall right? seeing ripping apart cattails, so the there's the outer fluff and the inner seeds is just like a 
like a very dense dandelion type mm-hmm. thing when the dandelion goes to seed. So there's a f- the outer fluff and then the inner, inner seed. Yeah. And oh. apparently the seeds you can eat. Yeah. I'll hmm. believe them. Clover. Now, I've heard with this. I've heard about eating clover. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, I, yeah. I mean, the, the flowers, right? Yeah, the flowers. I've eaten the flowers. And they're sweet. They're sweet like sugar and honey and mm-hmm. whatever. The above ground parts can be eaten raw. Best when cooked or dipped in salt water to counteract bloating. Now, there are some warnings that they give with some of these things. Um, Difficult to digest can cause bloating. And red clover in autumn should be avoided and not eaten in large quantities due to alkaloids. What's an alkaloid? um, Burny, burny. Yeah. When mixed with water, yeah. Uh, Flower heads can be eaten raw, dried, or cooked. Flower heads and seed heads can be ground into flour. Hmm. So, I mean, like, it's, again, a clover, clover bread, clover cattail bread. Be interesting. Bring your backcountry oven and... And cook something, muffins yeah. or something, clover muffins. I imagine it'd be very dense. No, clover muffins sound something like you find in the cow pasture. <laughs> <laughs> clover muffin. Dandelions. Now, these ones here, I used to know an Italian fellow that used to make dandelion wine. Um, which I'm all for. Uh, all parts of the plant are edible raw. I think there's like dandelion salads and stuff like that. Okay. People, I've heard people eat. Young leaves or those growing where there is less to no sunlight are the least bitter, which again, I've heard is that they are bitter. Older leaves are best when boiled in two changes of water um, with mid veins removed. Roots are best when collected in spring or autumn. Peeled, sliced, and cooked in two changes of water with a pinch of baking soda. Huh. There are some some plants you, they you boil them, change the water, boil them again, yeah. right, and then rinse them. It's a lot of effort, a lot of work. It is, it is. But I mean, if you're hungry, yeah, right, you yeah. get some water, you boil it, you throw them bad boys yeah. in, that sort of thing. Roots can be roasted as coffee substitute. Huh? Dandelion coffee. Do they say what it tastes like? Dandelion. No, the coffee substitute. Dandelion. Okay, well, I don't know what dandelion is like. Uh, Unopened flower buds can be eaten raw or used in cooking. Hmm. Seeds with the parachute, which would be the white one that everybody blows and makes the wish on, uh, can be eaten raw or used in cooking. With the parachute. Sorry, Uh, let me, uh, yeah, with the parachute, removed can be eaten or ground into flour. Mm -hmm. Just the seeds parts, not the white little parachute part. Uh, Oh, with the parachute removed, yes. Yeah. Um, again, you you get all those little things. You got to pick that little seed off of everything. Yep. Oh, those little geez. itsy bitsy seeds. Now here, kids, take all these, that little teeny tiny, I want all those teeny tiny seeds and put them in this bowl. <laughs> but dad. They get in about three of those and just, where'd you guys go? Because that's not going to last. A serving of dandelion greens contains the same amount of calcium as a half a cup of milk. Wow. And it is a good source of potassium, vitamin A, and vitamin C. Good way to stop scurvy. So dandelions seem to be a good bet. Yeah. I mean, we complain that they're everywhere here. Maybe that's why we got so many rabbits in the area. Because <laughs> they're always out eating the dandelions yeah. in our yard. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Apparently, they're just... Huh. Yeah. They're staying healthy. Apparently. Fireweed. Now, this isn't the orange devil's paintbrush sort of thing. This is like little pinky looking purpley flower things. Uh, The shoots are edible when raw. Uh, Young leaves are edible raw. Flowers are edible raw. Flower bud clusters can be cooked as vegetable. The stem pith, which is the stuff in the middle, can be added to soups as thickener. So you know when you you cut some stalks and there's that white, thick liquid? Yes. Thickener for your soup. Wow. Right? Uh, However, may act as a laxative if eaten (laughs) in quantity. Those five bowls of soup were great. I'm heading to the loo. I just looked up a picture that people on listening can't see, but I've seen them. That looks familiar. Yep. Yeah, they're they're purple, pink flowers, lots of them on a tall stalk. Yeah. I've seen those everywhere. Now, for anybody that's ever paddled, this next one, the fragrant water lily. Now, I've they're, heard they're the this. big white ones. If it's so good for a moose, it's got to be good for us. 
moose. Oh yeah, these things really. Oh, yeah, because just like the dandelions with the rabbits. I mean, we should follow the animals and eat what they're eating, because you know, <laughs> my like dog them. eats poop sometimes, but she ain't oh, going to catch me doing that. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, flowers are edible raw, which I didn't know. I didn't either. I could have been munching and crunching all these years, paddling down the rivers, <laughs> grabbing water lilies and having a snack. Flower buds can be cooked. The leaves are edible raw. The ripe seeds are edible raw. Wow. Yeah. All that food that you've passed you all these eat years. eat a lot of water Like lilies. there's so much water lily everywhere yeah. we go. Yeah. Goldenrod. This is the one, I mean, this one giant weed, me. right? Yeah, this baffles me. Plants can be cooked. Flowers are edible raw. And the seeds are edible raw. Huh. And I imagine you make flour to the seeds too. I don't know. <laughs> everything else we've made. Everything else with it, yeah. Everything else seems to uh, go well with the golden raw or with the seeds, right? Making yeah. it into that sort of stuff. Uh, and another one that we've seen everywhere: pickerel weed. Yeah. They're the purple ones that are, they look. I mean, just take the white water lily off and throw. Yeah. Uh, you know, purple flowers on a stem. The young leaves are edible raw. The seeds are edible raw. And the seeds can be roasted and ground into a powder, which I presume would be used to make bread, muffins, pancakes, yeah. what have you, right? Mm -hmm. So those are just a few of the plants. I mean, there's tons of plants that you can actually eat yeah. out you, there. You have to do your research, though. You definitely have to do your research. Um, as, and as we said, this is not something just go out and start picking up grass and leaves and twigs <laughs> yeah. and whatever else you see laying around the bush. In. and. Yeah, because you're going to eat something that you shouldn't be eating. <laughs> and yeah, there were some that we I specifically did not include that, that we see all the time. Yeah. Just because they say, you don't want to eat this at this time of year because cause I don't want somebody going, oh, I'm going yeah. to try that because you can eat it. People have to You have learn to know. On your own. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there, yeah, there's, there's courses available that you can go out and they'll take you out into the bush and... Here's what this is. You can eat this part. You can eat that part. You can't eat this part. You can eat this when it's young, but once it opens up, you don't want to touch it. Yeah. That's stinging nettles. I'm not even sure what that is. You touch them in your hands, start burning all stung. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. We used to come across those. Apparently, there's a part of that. I think if you boil it or something like that, I was reading, um, you can actually eat it. Yeah. Your mouth will sting for a while, but it's edible. And they say, when harvesting, make sure you wear gloves. <laughs> Yellow. Anything that stings my hand, yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not putting in my mouth. I'm sorry, but it's not happening. Uh, but yeah, there's all these things out there that you see every day that you can just yeah, be walking around and, you, could... you know, preparing it properly. Yeah. Some of, I mean, a lot of it you can eat raw. A lot of it you, you got to boil. A lot of it you got to, you know, do certain things to. But there is so much out there as you're zipping around. Mm-hmm. That you can actually eat. It's interesting, eh? It is. It really is. Yeah. And and like there's always the typical things that I've eaten in the past, like berries and stuff. And and it's just never, like, I've never really considered other things. And I've always wondered about it. And I, I want to do my research so that I can safely try mushrooms and stuff. But I, I don't think I'm ever going to do it anyways, just because some mushrooms are look similar. Some poisonous mushrooms look close yeah. to what non-poisonous ones are right yeah and like i know with uh the only person i've ever known that or heard of that eats mushrooms or morals is uh like I, i've seen a few of capra christina's videos where she collects she she lives up in muskoka so she collects morals in her in her area in her area yeah and she's done the research so she knows what she's doing anyway she she uh, dries them out dehydrates them and then rehydrates them on her canoe trips to make uh, meals so yeah. I thought that was interesting, right? So actually, she uh, was on her French River yeah. trip. Yeah, she has some of those. Yeah, and um, in her her she dehydrated and was remaking rehydrating yeah. and making her dinner. Yeah. Um, I was on a canoe trip in Algonquin. We were heading to through Smoke Lake down into Ragged Lake area, and we came upon three Russian gentlemen. Two, two younger guys taking their older father okay. on a trip. And it was prime time for mushrooms. And he was walking side, like across a path. And he was picking certain mushrooms. And he was pointing, you don't want that one. You don't want that. These are good. These are good. These huh. are. And he had himself a bag of mushrooms. 
That, yeah. And he knew what was what, 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 we, yeah. what he could eat, what you couldn't eat. Because he was, I'm thinking, ooh, look at that big one. And he would just leave it, say, no, yeah, you can't don't touch that. that. Right? Um, so, yeah, you definitely got to know. And if you know, I mean, he had a massive bag of these mushrooms. <laughs> so the mushrooms they must have had with a steak or something for dinner that night. Yeah. Would have been, would have been absolutely tasty. Huh. Bring yourself in an onion unless you know where you, where you can grow some onions. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, they would, they would, they would have had themselves a good feed on, on those mushrooms, but I, I don't really want to touch too much on mushrooms. I mean, there's the morels, there's the chanterelles, yeah. the puffballs, and the puffballs were the one that, that really, yeah. cause you think of little brown ones that you bro- break open, bang the halves together, yeah. you know, that smoke and you're a kid, right? Yeah. So we don't want to, I don't want to particularly encourage people to try this. You, you have to do your own research. You have to take the risk on yourself. Yeah, and, go and see. But there's a huge variety of yeah. mushrooms out there. And unless you know your mushrooms, do not eat them. Yes. Do not. Because, you, and that's what they're saying. There's there's one mushroom that looks just really close to another one. But if you don't notice this little stripe or something on it, you're a dead exactly. man. Exactly. Yeah. You know, like that one little difference. You really have to know your stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that's... Um, so one thing, like we, we talked earlier about the clover, mm-hmm. so the red clover in autumn should be avoided or not be eaten at all in large quantities due to alkaloids. Mm-hmm. So I looked up alkaloids and interestingly, <laughs> so any class of nitrogenous organic compounds of plant origin that have pronounced physiological, physiological actions on humans, mm-hmm. they include many drugs, morphine, quinine, and poisons, atropine and strychnine. So, yeah, you might want to avoid that. You think. <laughs> See, the, the more you know. The more you know. And when we're talking mushrooms, we're not talking the kind that you did at a Pink Floyd concert. No. <laughs> uh, berries, like I say, there's so many types of berries that you pass um, that you always wonder. And I've always wondered, as even as a kid, when you're going Some on hikes. Some berries are, yeah. You're just thinking, what would happen if I eat that and... And you know you're 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 looking. At, you never try it, yeah. but you're always tempted, in, right? right? Yeah. Self preservation. But as you start looking at the pictures and you're realizing, oh, that, that's what that is all the time. I could eat that if it was young, <laughs> you know, like just coming out or yeah. something like that, or I could eat the leaves or whatever. Or no, you've got to wait for it to turn from green to like dark blue or something yeah. like that, right? Um, there's some, and and it's funny because there's. Some berries I've always known, like when I lived out West, people would call them by like a local name. Okay. Um, and that's like out here when it comes to fish, you know, you get the pike, out West you get the jack. Yeah. Right? And then there's muscalunge. Well, that's, musky, t- yeah, that's, that's a different one, Which is similar yeah. to pike. It looks like... Yeah, but like, it's bigger, different striping. It's yeah, a different, yeah. I can't tell the difference. I can't well, tell I, the difference. I've never, tell the difference? I, I don't catch them, right? So yeah. you have to catch them to see them. The fishing is good. The catching, not so good. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but I mean, that's what... There's some berries that you, I, I, I've known by the local names when I lived out west yeah. and local names when I've lived up north. Yeah. And then you come down to, you know, like central Ontario and it's, or you read a book and this is what the actual name is. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I've always known that by that or that. And yeah. now they're calling it this. Oh, I'm so confused. Um, <laughs> but when you start looking at it, you go, oh, I've eaten those and I've eaten yeah, those. Exactly. I've eaten those. And we used to have currants in our backyard and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. But like, I mean, you're pretty safe with sting. With the ones you always know, like the raspberries, yes. the blackberries, nothing like good, good juicy blackberries. Mm-hmm. Love those. Or raspberries or blueberries um, or strawberries. strawberries. Yeah. Now, one, some, just sort of go off a bit of topic here. Um, where I was storing my canoes outside mm-hmm. on a bit of a side patio we have, there's some brick in there and whatnot. And you get some weeds coming up every so yeah. often. Somewhere along the way, on one of my canoe trips, I picked up strawberries strawberry seeds or something because they're growing out of your gunnels no right underneath the canoe there's like all around that area nowhere else except the next spring all of a sudden all these strawberry vines cool started appearing we got all these little tiny strawberries (laughs) it's just the tiny ones not the big yeah well that's the other thing you know those great big strawberries yeah we always refer to those as california strawberries yes right now we just refer to them as strawberries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I guess they're everywhere, not just California anymore. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, the blueberries, the strawberries, you know what those are. Everybody's, They're easy I would to presume, identify. knows what those are. Yeah. The raspberries are black. And I don't think there's really anything that looks... Now, mind you, there are some other blue berries. And they look like blueberries. But they're growing like in bigger bunches. Yeah, and they look di- weird. Yeah, and... yeah. They, look, they look freaky. And, yeah. Yeah. They don't belong. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, there's, everybody knows a strawberry and the raspberries and blackberries and all that. And, yeah, you just get yourself a nice cup full or a hat full or whatever, put them in a pocket or something like that. And then you sit at the end of the portage and eat them or, you know, put them in a cup if you're out walking through the bush while you're camped or take a little hike from wherever you've launched. Yeah. You know, um, and sit there and have yourself a little meal or save them for, like I say, pancakes or muffins. I've I've, uh, added it into Bannock. Yeah. And uh, pancakes and it's, it's a nice little addition. Like even pasta, you throw it into anything, blueberries, like blueberries just go with everything. Pasta? Yeah, I've done, I've even chopped up apple into pasta. It's it's a nice little touch. When we were in Iceland, we got salt and they mix it with blueberries and then dry it. Blueberry juice and dry it. It's it's a blueberry salt. salt. Yeah. Neat. They mixed them with butter and then put it on stuff. Tiny bit, yeah. Just to give it that hint of salt with blueberry taste in your butter. Sounds like we're trying. Oh, we have. (laughs) <laughs> Many times. It's almost <laughs> gone. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you know what? If you're out there and you see all this stuff, I'd definitely look into buying some books. And there are books on the market that show you. I mean, I, I was looking at books, uh, books of plants of Ontario, berries of Ontario, mushrooms of Ontario, yes. you know, that sort of thing. And like I say, the berries and the plants are one thing. Um, mushrooms, if I had a book... Even with a book, I don't think I'd try the mushroom. I'd be nervous. Because there's too many out there that are going to... Yeah. We're all going to die. <laughs> <laughs> it just goes... That's our new slogan. Yeah. We're all going to die. Yeah, we're going to get a church welcome to, paddling and, <laughs> welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. You're all going to die. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, even mushrooms. I Unless I was with someone that was an absolute expert on mushrooms... I don't think I would yeah. trust. I'd be some, too nervous. Especially when you're out for, you know, five days away from the nearest. Yeah. Your judgment might be off. <laughs> yeah. So how was the trip? Well, except for the fact that paddler number seven died. <laughs> it was expected. Yeah. He was wearing a red shirt. Um, but the berries, yeah, I'd be, I'd take that book and ones I didn't know that I knew were in the area. And you can, that's the other thing with Google and all, you can Google what is in your area. Yes. And, and so you're pretty sure, well, this is what it's going to be. Yeah. 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 Right. And try that. A few that, like the pickerel weed, the clover, the clover we knew, the cattails. Yeah. That's interesting. There's, there's uh Lynn Shore near us. Yes. There's tons of Very cattails close. there in the fall. Hmm. <laughs> mm. Thinking cattail bread, <laughs> little mini loaf. <laughs> it you would know, be yummy. <laughs> you need, you need like, a hundred cattails for like a muffin. <laughs> it's just not worth the work, you know, unless you got nothing better to do. I'm making shot glass muffins. The, yeah. The dandelions, the water lilies, the goldenrod. Interesting. It is interesting, but you look at something that's considered a weed. Yes. And you really want to eat it. You'd have to get it when it was fresh. Not like towards the end of the season, they get all uh, dehydrated and prickly and sticky and. Yucky, bug mm-hmm. covered. Yeah. Mm. Protein in your muffins. <laughs> so Google, buy books, take a couple of courses and hey, next time you're out uh, paddling and you're, you stop on the shore for lunch or you're going back a few lakes, check out what's around you and uh, maybe you try something and maybe you like it. Maybe you don't. Maybe it'll kill you. Maybe you don't like you. Maybe it kills you. You never know. <laughs> but give it a whirl. Buy a couple of books, do some research, take a course. Support the uh, local uh, economy by taking courses from these people. Exactly. That offer them, right? Support small business too, because yep. it's not large business places that do that. So anyway, that's all I got to say about food, because I'm getting hungry now. I am too. So while we take a break, we're going to go up and check out the crotch pot. <laughs> <laughs> I've been cooking the whole time you've here. You've been cooking the whole time you've been here. We'll be right back. If you like the show you are listening to right now, you can listen to it and many more just like it on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. 
fishing, hunting, boating, and the rest of the great outdoors 24-7, 365 on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Download the free Reno Viola's Outdoor Radio app or visit WRVORadio.com online to see the lineup and schedule. That's Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. And enjoy the great outdoors. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka and Halliburton. I took the stern, she took the bow, I settled in, and she settled down, and put her nose on the thwart to get the best view, it's me and Molly in our canoe, we'd talk about the ways of all those we love and how she's a good girl and then she'd show a big smile says i agree with you it's me and molly in our canoe my best friend my companion always by my side Wherever we land And no journey was so hard We couldn't make it through It's me and Molly In our canoe and No journey was so couldn't make it through It's me and Molly In our canoe They say there's a bridge Where she's waiting for me And I hope there's a clear stream below Cause when I meet her there It will be so sweet When we jump in that boat and go with the flow when I go with my best friend my companion always by my side wherever we landed and no journey was so hard we couldn't make it me and Molly It's me and Molly It's me and Molly In our canoe Welcome back. That was Jerry Vandiver, one of our uh, favorite uh, paddling uh, songwriters, uh, and his song, Me and Molly, about uh, him and his dog. Um, so, one more thing, uh, we'll ask the topic of the day. Uh, has nothing to do with food or crotch pockets. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> crotch pots, yeah. <laughs> crotch pockets. Starting to get hungry, yeah. Crotch pockets. Tying stuff down in your canoe. Yes. Do you do it? I don't, but I haven't done any whitewater trips. Mm -hmm. I've only done whitewater courses. I know people that even just do flat water. If they have a, a day pack, they'll 
you know, okay, yeah. Latch like, it around their, their uh, sword or something. food and stuff to start a fire and, and something warm and something dry. I'll have that in a dry bag that I strap to the canoe so I mm-hmm. can't lose it, right? So I do tie some stuff down, but generally I'm always flat water, so I don't tie the stuff in. Yeah, I mean, capsizing can happen in flat water or rapid. True. So realistically, Absolutely. if you go by what you read and things you're taught... You should strap everything in. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I don't think I've ever strapped anything into the canoe. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like you say, the day pack or something, you just unclip it, yeah, clip it around or something like that. So, yeah, if you do capsize, then mm-hmm. your your day pack is at least, you're not hunting for it yeah. 20 feet under sort of thing, right? Um, tying, tying your stuff down ensures that it remains safe in the... Event that you capsize. Exactly. You don't want to right. lose it. If, especially if it's uh, like, you know, when I bring my real good camera, it tends not to be very floaty. Yeah. So it would I go, found that. It yeah. would go right to the bottom. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'd strap that in like binoculars. I connect them. But strapping it in so it doesn't move also helps to maintain the stability in rough waters, which yes. isn't just rapid. You're right. Yeah, right. I mean, we've been on some big, big, big lakes. Yeah, you could be just borderline windbound, and you get out there in the water, and that front end is going right up, and it's like you're surfing over those troughs, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And I hadn't really thought about the stability part of it. Like I, and thinking about it now, mm -hmm. I know that I, and me, I remember years ago, me and my wife used to practice. uh, tipping a canoe in water and, and recovering and just practicing it to, so we knew. But, you know, it was like we were in our swimming trunks and the canoe was completely, completely empty, empty except for a couple paddles yep. and the baler and we would just practice, right? But yeah, if you tipped it, you'd be like trying to swim and collect all this random stuff up and trying to swim ashore to empty the canoe and get it all back in. But the stability factor, if it's in there and it's tied down, it's like flotation bags. Well, yeah, and it's not shifting around. So, I mean, yeah. if you're hitting some really rough water, mm-hmm. you're not having stuff moving all over yes. the place, right? Be sure to use bungee cords, tie-down straps, and quick-release knots because the purpose of it is to remove your gear when and if you need to and be able to do it quickly. Yes, Right? So, I mean, yeah, if you're flipped over, you need to get that bags out of there. You don't want to be sitting there going, okay, hang on, I use my teeth for yeah. this knot. Right? Or I could give me my knife because I've got to cut this. Yeah. You want a quick release that you can just boom, and there's your bag, and you can pass it off to another canoe. Yes. Or... Especially if you're in moving water and yeah. these bags are heavy, it, they could contribute you to get, uh, what do you call it? You get the canoe wrapped around a log or a tree. Oh, or yeah, a rock. The, in the strainers and all yeah. that sort of get pinned. And So if you could quickly undo your gear and, and get the boat up above, then the, the, there'd be less risk of, uh, of getting it. Uh, wrapped around a rock yeah and you don't want it to sink either right yes uh you want to make sure your stuff is tied in uh especially in rapids it'll be difficult enough to rescue your canoe if it capsizes trying to recover your gear at the same time is even worse (laughs) so yeah i mean like you say flat water paddling is yeah I, i i've never tied down but even though yeah we've been in some situations where the the water is so rough you're thinking what am i doing out here yeah uh, but especially in rapids if you're shooting the rapids and that you, you definitely got to make sure it's tied down but because and see doing the research there's no real there's no straightforward answer i right? know and and all the stuff we've read on it it's like oh well, okay well it seems like it's a good idea to tie it down oh wait a sec maybe it's not a good idea to tie it down and and i flip flop back and forth in researching this and looking into the case studies and it's like, man, there's no real, uh, like there's a few situations, limited situations where yes, you really should tie it down. Yeah. Or in another case, it's like, yeah, it doesn't really matter. You could tie it down. If you're going through a bunch of small sets of rapids. Yeah. And there's space, little pools. Eddies. Eddies. Yeah. Between each one. Get little drops, if you little flip, pool. Chances are your gear is getting sucked into those eddies. Yes. And if you're with other people... They can grab your gear. They can grab that yeah. gear for you. 
And so right? it saves you the hassle of unhooking, unlatching, untying. And so it's a quicker recovery if you don't tie it in. So right. in that situation, it makes sense not to tie it in because you have people, if you are with people, they can, uh, they can recover it for you. Somebody can grab your canoe, somebody can grab your pack, you can swim ashore. So it, it makes sense in that way. Yeah, and if there's stuff in those eddies underneath that have been caught there, trees, stumps, and all that sort of stuff, yeah. anything loose, yeah, if you're or, any, any straps strap in that or, that are that are loose yeah. and are still tied in are going to catch, yeah. right? So your canoe is now pinned, yeah, right, and your your SOL, <laughs> yeah. Um, whereas if it's out floating, it's going around in a circle, then then you're you can cool, grab right? It. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, you you you're going back and forth, back and forth. You don't really know what you should be doing, but I guess it's all depends on the type of water. Yeah. You know. So if you have like a kilometer of whitewater section, like class three plus, and there's risk of dumping. So if you, like, can you imagine dumping at the top and all your packs and bags and everything is not tied down? And off it goes. It's going to take you five days to get it all back. Up and down the if river looking it for it, yeah. hoping to. So you want to tie it in. Yeah. Yeah. Make uh, sure you tie down your spare paddle. Why would you do that? <laughs> uh, if you choose to tie down, just make sure you don't leave any bits dangling out, straps yeah. And, yeah. and whatnot. Like we said, they could grab. They're, yeah, these will catch, catch on up. something. and Yeah. yeah. Um, short trips across calm water, running pack and dry bag straps around the canoe thwarts is exactly what we said. That's what yeah. we do. And that's what, I, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you just unhook the one snap and then click it around and, yeah. you know, it, it's in there. Or tying a short load line from the thwart to each bag. Yeah. So everything's right? tied down by the single rope. So at least it it's, doesn't necessarily keep everything in the canoe. But it keeps But if it capsizes, together. it keeps all your gear with your canoe. Yes. Right? And that's the purpose of doing that. Uh, journeys that involve rough water rapids, you want to make extra sure that your gear remains securely in place. Bags that are tied loosely can pop out and get caught up on rocks, stumps, and trees. Yeah, that just sucks. Properly secured bags and dry boxes provide added buoyancy, which will keep your canoe at the top yeah, rather like, than Yeah, like I was saying, sinking, like they're right? like flotation bags. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want a, a, a sunk pinned canoe because that's... Yeah. You've just lost your canoe at that point, right? Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's never something I've really... no. Really thought and, about because, like I say, I'm I'm the lazy flat water paddler, right? <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I thought I had to figure it figured out. I thought, okay, well, you're in this situation, not tie down that situation. I would tie down, and then we mentioned, oh, what about a spray skirt? Like have an entire mm-hmm. full canoe spray skirt that completely changes everything again because, of course, everything is tied in by the spray skirt, right? And and if you're doing what like some of these epic white water sections up north or uh, out west or something, then you're up going to you are and... going to have a spray skirt. Yeah. So that that's everything's tied in. And but that's also good is the fact that the spray skirt secures stuff, keeps water out, and so on. Right. The only thing I don't like about having to tie everything in is when you're hitting all the portages that you're going to have yeah, to do so much more work. Because then you've got to untie everything, un- yeah. unlatch everything, get it all out, get it to the other end, put it all back in, and remember how you latched everything in securely. And... <laughs> yes. Oh my God, that's yeah. just so much work. But on a really big whitewater <laughs> trip, then you, you wouldn't, like if there's a unrunnable class six or whatever, then then maybe you're going to, you know, it's like, so we're going to waste some time here portaging, but so everything has to be untied and retied. Too bad you couldn't just like get one guy at one end of the port, uh, the the rapids. Another guy runs down to the bottom, and you just Here send the canoe comes. down. That's pretty much it. <laughs> you better be able to catch that, buddy. Get a little like a fishing rod with a rope on it or yeah. something. Just latch on with, with a grappling hook like the old Batman days. That would be ideal. And push it right in, because you're not worrying about you flipping out. Yeah. Or a gear zip line. Gear a gear zip. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you know what, if, if, I think if you're in rapids, doing the rapids, you got to tie it down, tie it down securely. If you're doing flat water, think about tying it down if the weather's bad and you're getting the big waves. There's a chance. If it's just a day trip or something, you got a day pack, it takes nothing for one little clip to clip it onto the the gunnel or the the thwart or something, right? 
Clip on the stuff that doesn't float. Exactly. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. If you like the show you are listening to right now, you can listen to it and many more just like it on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Fishing, hunting, boating, and the rest of the great outdoors 24-7, 365 on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Download the free Reno Viola's Outdoor Radio app or visit WRVORadio.com online to see the lineup and schedule. That's Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. And enjoy the great outdoors. Welcome back. Uh, Derek, that seems to be our show. We started way at the bottom of the hill <laughs> in a bit of a gutter. And uh, ended up with our heads above water. Yeah, I would think so. Um, <laughs> the crotch pot. If anybody out there has one and tried it and let us know if it yeah, works. Yeah, please let us know. We'd um, like to hear some direct evidence of if this is any good or not. Yeah. And uh, not just a neighbor fool's joke. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeesh>. <laughs> uh, wild edibles. Do your research. Take a course. Tying your gear down, if you're going to hit some rough water, i definitely consider it. Um, that's our show. You can find us on PaddlingAdventuresRadio.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can find our podcasts on our PaddlingAdventuresRadio.com site, uh, iTunes, and Google Play. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time. <laughs>